It's always good to see John, Linda, and, and uh, Mariana, and many of those that we served with here for a while. And uh, I'm not leaving anybody out. I'm just not real good with names. So <laughs> I forget real easy. Let's put it that way. And uh, okay, let's see here. Got the wrong out. Did a couple of Valentine banquets recently. That allowed us to do that. I thought uh, I, I got invited to do one on Monday, and then uh, Brother Johnson called me to do one Friday night. That's why we're here. And uh, I thought, Lord, Valentine banquet. All right, I guess we can do this. Amen. When uh, God calls you to do something, you just got to figure out how you're going to do it. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter one. First Thessalonians chapter one. And I'll start out with a word of prayer here. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the honor and uh, the privilege of being here tonight, Lord. And uh, Lord, whenever I open your word, God, I just come to you and I just ask for, Lord, your blessing and power and filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, as uh, your word is brought forth, God, your word has life and contains, Lord, the power that we need, God, in this life to be... uh, victorious Christians. Lord, we ask God you'd use your word to unlock the keys of hearts, God, to bring the lost souls to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 in verses, I'm going to read verses 5 through the end of the chapter there. Paul says there, he says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. As ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, and and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Oh, okay. Amen. A little feedback there. Even Jesus, which delivered us from wrath to come. And uh, I want you to notice there in verse 9, or actually verse 8 there at the end of the, end of the verse, Paul said, so that we need not to speak anything. And uh, I thought that was interesting when I was reading through this passage. It was in my devotions at some point. I was reading the book of Thessalonians here. And that, that caught my eye that Paul said we need not to speak anything. And uh, the, the Thessalonian church were such Christians that Paul let them know right up front that he really didn't have a whole lot to say to them because he could see by the faith that they were acting out that they were Christians that were worthy of praise. Amen? And I thought, well, Lord, I would like to be not only that type of church, but that type of person, that type of individual in my life. Were, and I'm sure every one of us here in this room would like the same thing, to know that God or a servant of God would say, you're doing a great job. Keep going. 
So you're doing such a good job that I don't even really need to say a whole lot to you. And that's what Paul was doing here with the Thessalonian church. And so I thought, well, what's the difference between the Thessalonians and churches like the Corinthians? We know anybody that knows uh, the New Testament very well knows that the book of Corinthians, the Corinthians were a carnal church in many ways. And uh, they had carnality and sin throughout the church. And also there was a lot of pride and a lot of I'm of this person and that person and, and man following, so to speak. And Paul warned against that kind of thing. And so what's the difference with a, with a church like the Thessalonians or say, well, let's just say a church like the Thessalonians or an individual like the Thessalonians or an individual that's carnal or a church that's carnal. And so I noticed in verse 6 that Paul said, Ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. You know, I think the difference between a victorious Christian and a victorious church and one that is carnal and fails really is the fact that they receive the word of God. You know, as simple a truth as it is, many times what we fail to do is receive the truth in our own lives and receive what God wants to do in our lives as, as Christians. Acts 17, and I, you know, I did a, I did a search and turn over to First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 first, but also uh, get your finger in Acts chapter 17. But the second time that phrase is mentioned is in chapter 2, verse 13. Paul says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when he received the word which he heard of us, he received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. I believe that's a difference. I believe that when the Thessalonians came to hear the word of God preached, they were, they were ready to receive it as it is the word of God, the truth, the word of God. And they, they came ready to receive, not only to receive, but to obey. And Acts chapter 17 is the third time that this uh, phrase is mentioned. So turn over to Acts chapter 17 if you're not there already. Acts chapter 17. And this here is in uh, reference to the Bereans, but the Thessalonians are also there too, which I thought was really interesting. The three times that phrase, receive the word, is mentioned, the Thessalonians are there all three times. Twice in the book of Thessalonians and once here in the book of Acts. And uh, it says there in verse 10, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, whom coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews, and it says in verse 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And you know, here it's saying that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians. But it's not, what it's not saying is it's not saying that the Thessalonians weren't a noble crowd. It's saying that the Bereans were a little more noble even than the Thessalonians. So I think that it'd be fair to say that the Thessalonians were a noble church, a very noble, uh, worthy of praise church, amen? A church that was glorifying God, individuals that made up a church that was glorifying God, amen? You know, a church really is a body of believers that's made up by each individual in here. And your life and what you do and how you obey God is going to directly affect the church and where it goes, Amen? And um, so I thought about that word noble. I thought, well, what is, it get, what is it going to take for me to be a noble person? Or I thought about people who were noble in the Bible. There's many characters in the Bible. But that word noble means, uh, if you were to look that up in the 
1828 dictionary, you'd find a noble person's purposes are full of honesty, nobleness, and integrity. Noble means great, elevated, dignified. And this is the catchphrase right here, being above everything that can dishonor a reputation. And I thought, that's it right there being above everything that can dishonor a reputation. Do you know, if you're a noble person, you're the type of person that values your reputation. Not because of what men think, but because your reputation is important to you. Well, it is because of what men think, but ultimately because we're representing Christ. We're representing the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. The Bible says, if you're a Christian here today, you're an ambassador for Christ. You and I are ambassadors. We carry a message we represent a person. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that, uh, that you're bought, or uh, I'm, I'm not in the right chapter there, but the Bible tells us that we're bought with a price, therefore glorify God. And uh, we are not our own. It's our duty as Christians to glorify God, to be those ambassadors for Him that we ought to be. And as each and every one of us are ambassadors, we can become a great church as well, just like the Thessalonians were, built of a bunch of great individuals who had faith. The Bible says that their faith, they had so much faith, they received the Word of God, and it was in much affliction. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes we fail to receive the Word of God, and we're not really that afflicted. Amen? In the United States of America, you know, things can, can be hard. They really can. But I think sometimes we have so much that we don't know what it's like to have faith, to have true faith in God and to learn who He is and what He's about and how He can provide for you and I. And uh, so this was a challenge to me. And uh, I thought of some people in the Bible. I thought of Daniel and David and Abraham and Moses and men who were uh, great uh, examples of, of people who represented our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, who represented God in the Old Testament and uh, later the Lord Jesus Christ would reveal to him that he was the one who was guiding them all along. The Bible says that, that uh, Jesus uh, is, is uh, our king and we're going to bow down to him. And every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Turn to uh, Daniel chapter 6. And I wanted to use Daniel as an example of a noble person because I think Daniel is one of the greatest characters in the Bible because he stands alone and he stands out. And, you know, there's Sunday school lessons and uh, things that we learn down through the years. And sometimes, you know, we, we, uh, we read our Bibles and we think of stories like this and Sunday school lessons and, and teaching children and that. And, 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 and a lot of times as Christians, if we're not careful, we just think of these, these uh, examples as stories. And we don't consider... Daniel, David, Abraham, Moses, all the men of God is just men like you and I. Men who have like passions. Men who were nothing and God made something. And not that we, all, not that we should aspire to be something. But you know, God takes, the Bible says that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Amen? I can attest to the fact that at one point in my life, I was absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean... You know, I, I couldn't preach. Uh, it's just, it, it, it's, it, would, it was just a major struggle for me and still is to this day. 
But God has a reason and a purpose, and He has people that He uses throughout this world and throughout history. And Daniel, I think, is one of those men, and I'm not comparing myself or anybody else to Daniel, but I just want to draw out his character here because he was a noble man of God. Verse 2 of Daniel chapter 6, the Bible says, And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage, then this Daniel was preferred. The Bible says Daniel was preferred above the, pres- the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Now, you know what? If you and I are saved today, if you're a born-again Christian, the Bible we- teaches us that we have an excellent spirit in us. Amen? It's called the Holy Spirit of God. You know, when Jesus left or was getting ready to leave, he told the disciples, he said, if I don't leave... I won't send the Comforter. I won't be able to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. And we have the Holy Spirit in us to guide us and to lead us into all truth. The Bible says that Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. The king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful... Neither was there any error or fault found in him. He was above reproach. Remember what that word noble meant? He was above everything that could dishonor a reputation. And that's why the king thought to put him above the whole kingdom. And so then these men... Oh, then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault... For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error found or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to, to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. You can just imagine this. You know, you have a bunch of jealous presidents and princes. Right here, they're coming to the king. None of them want to see Daniel elevated to the state that the king wants to elevate him to. Why? Because there was an excellent spirit in him. Why? Because he was blameless. Why? Because he was honest. Why? Because he wasn't going to let them get away with things they shouldn't have got away with. Amen? But these presidents and princes, they wanted to get the power. So they were jealous and they thought, no, 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 this isn't going to happen. We're going to go to the king and, oh, King Darius, live forever. Oh, great king, you are the best. You're the greatest king on the face of the earth. Live forever, oh, king. We got a great proposition for you now. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said unto him, live forever. And in the presidents and the uh, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now let's stop thinking about this as just a story for now. Okay, let's enter into the reality that Daniel's facing right here. Daniel, a real man. Daniel, a real servant of the king. Daniel with real enemies around him looking for a way to blame him or to find some fault against him so, he, so the king would not elevate him to the position. And this is a real situation. And sometimes as Christians, we've got to get ourselves out of the box of thinking of, of the Bible as just stories or a storybook. These are real people. 
It's real history, things that really happened, and examples that God wants to use in our lives to get us to motivated to do what's right in our lives. And so you see, Daniel, and think about Daniel in this position. And, uh, and I think about this, and I think, man, what anguish must have been going through Daniel's mind and, and how he must have been hurting over this and, and wondered what God was doing. Verse 8, Now, O king, establish a decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. They knew the king would change his mind, and we'll see that later. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Now, picture this. Daniel knew the writing was signed. The next time Daniel goes to pray and bow his knee to the Lord... It's the death sentence. He's going to now do this. And by the way, there's another thing we sometimes fail to see there is that Daniel was praying in public on his knees and bowing to his God in public on his knees. That's another message altogether. But anyways, Daniel gets down on his knees and I can't even imagine what his prayer must have been that, that particular time in history. I, I know this, if it was me... I would have been praying something like this. Oh, Lord, I don't know what's taking place here, but God, you know, and you see the type of deception that these men are playing with the king. And Lord, my testimony is before thee. Oh, Lord, you know I have no fault. You know that I have tried to be a good testimony toward the king and be honest and blameless in his sight. I haven't stole anything. I haven't broken any laws, Lord. You know What's going on here? But Lord, I know that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I'll bow down to no other God but thee. And Lord, I will never stop asking thee for the things that I need in this life, because I know that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see, Daniel understood that, that, that God was above all, even the king here. And it didn't really matter what the sentence was going to be. I don't know what I would have prayed. I'm just trying to act something out there. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is he was a real person that had to deal with a real problem. And I don't believe that Daniel knew he was going to be delivered at this point. For those of you that know the story of Daniel, you know that in the end he does get delivered. But at this point, I don't believe he knew he was going to be delivered. And in the same respect, you think of uh, fellows like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were going to be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And they said to the king, they said to the king that we will not bow down. And they said, the Lord is able to deliver us. But if not, if not, we will not bow down. You see, we need to be the type of Christians that put it all on the line. Because you know what's going to happen if we don't? When times get tough, we're going to deny our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We just need to be close to God. Amen. I don't want to be there. And so this story encourages me in the sense that I want to have the spirit that Daniel had. I want to be that close to my God that, you know, when, it, when, when the going gets tough and the tough gets going, I'm going to bow my knee to my God. And it doesn't matter what anybody does, what anybody says. And you know where it really gets hard? When your family's involved. Amen? It's not about me. You know, sometimes I can just put, I can put things on the line. But when you have people that are going to be affected because of your decision, 
oh, things, things make a difference. But let me tell you something. We serve a God that's on the throne. Amen? And He sees and He knows. If you're making a decision to do right, it's never the wrong decision. It doesn't matter who's on the line. God can take care of that. And if He doesn't, you'll be rewarded a hundredfold in heaven. Amen? If He doesn't do it here in this world. I don't know what we're going to be facing in this world. I'd like, to, I'd like to see revival in our country. Amen? I believe we can have revival. I don't believe we're beyond that kind of hope in God. I believe God is, that, is big enough to do that. And I don't know what it's going to take, but I'll keep praying for revival. But let's move on to see what really took place here. And so Daniel, he continued to pray. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying, verse 11, and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true. Not only is it true, but it's according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Now you can just get the picture here. The king finally realizes what just took place. Um, those princes and presidents just preyed upon the king's pride. They knew the king would sign that document. Not only that, they knew the king's heart toward Daniel, so they had to get him to sign it according to the law of the Medes and Persians because they knew when the king found out what they did, they'd try to, that the king would try to deliver Daniel and reverse the decision he had made. And they said, Oh no, king. Then these men assembled unto the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is... Now they're reminding him. This is the law of the Medes and the Persians, king. Don't try to deliver Daniel. You know what the law of the Medes and Persians is, king? That no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. They knew what was going to happen here. But you know what? The king was trembling in his boots at this point, I believe, because he knew that Daniel's testimony was blameless. He knew that Daniel was a noble person. And you know, in spite of the fact that the world mocks you and I and laughs at what we do, or calls us a cult or whatever it might be that they do, they know you and I have something different. The king knew that Daniel had something different in his life than the rest of the presidents and the princes. And that's why he was thinking of elevating Daniel to the position he was in. And so for you and I, if we're a Christian or a church, like the Thessalonians or a Christian like, like Daniel was, people are going to see what's going on. And it's not for our glory. It's not for our glory. Let's go up to uh, verse 24 and see what happens here. Ultimately, well, actually, just notice that... Uh, <clears throat> well, let me read a few more verses here. Then the king commanded, verse 16, that they brought, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, 
that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went into his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. And the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Now the king knows that Daniel is servant of the living God. And he asks the question, is, is, is thy God continually able to deliver thee? And Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent the angels and hath shut the lions' mouths, and they have not hurt me for as much as before him. Innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. Catch that phrase right there. It's not about Daniel. It's because he believed in his God. Amen? And that's what I want to be. I want to be a person who believes, an individual, a Christian who believes in my God. Not just talks about him. Not just lets people know, yeah, I'm a Christian. I like to share. But I truly believe in that God. Truly. That living God that I serve. In verse 24, the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces wherever they came at the, wherever they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations and languages, and this is what you need to catch. What did the king do after this? Verse 26, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever in his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. The end result was that Daniel glorified God and the king saw what God did through Daniel. And how God delivered him. And ultimately, Daniel's testimony went throughout the world. Not because of him or himself. Or because Daniel was trying to be somebody or have some kind of a reputation. But because he believed in his God. The circumstances were stacked. Everything was against him. And sometimes that's the way you and I get as Christians. We, the, the circumstances are stacked. The, the, everything seems to be against us in this world. And, and maybe it's those we work with. Maybe it's our family members. Maybe it's our church friends and family. I don't know what it is, but sometimes it's stacked. The deck is stacked. And everything is against us. And God, well, or let's, sometimes it's the devil challenging us, challenging our faith to see what we're going to do. Or it's just our plain old flesh. But the Bible says that Daniel believed his God. Amen. And I want to believe my God. Amen. Even through circumstances like that. I want to know that I do serve a living God. And you know what? If I got cast into the den of lions and I wasn't delivered. You know, Paul admonished Timothy to lay hold on eternal life. 
You know, it's that eternal vision that has to keep us going. We believe in an eternal God, one that's alive, real, and on the throne today, just like he was in the book of Daniel. I believe that God wants to use people just like he used Daniel. I believe that God wants to do works like he did back in the day here. It's not. History hasn't ended yet. God hasn't come back. We still have a job to do as Christians. Amen. And I want to be in that group that believes in their God. Amen. That believes in the truly believes in the living God. Sometimes, sometimes we get tested on that. And you know, just as an illustration, and uh, I'm not encouraging anybody to do this, or you have to walk with God, and you you just have to know what God wants you to do in your life and obey it. I, I really believe that. I believe you need to find out what God's will is and do it. And uh, But there was a time in my life, I've never, since I got saved, I haven't had a whole lot of shame concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, concerning the Bible. I've never had too much of a problem. I know people are going to mock me, but bring my Bible into work and that sort of thing. Um, and I always did, ever since I've, I, I trusted the Lord as my Savior. And I always prayed, you know, and I always read my Bible a lot of times at work, you know. And I received a little flack here and there. Um, but, you know, one day the Lord convicted me about something. He says, you know what? You really want to show people you believe in me? When you pray, get on your knees. At work? Get on my knees at work? And I thought, you know what, Lord? You're right about that. And I started getting on my knees next to the catwalk at work and praying like this. Or like this. Whatever it might, whichever way. But I started getting on my knees. Boy, that makes a difference. That makes a difference. It really does. They know you're serious. You're not just one of these Christians that buries your head in a book and, oh, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian. You know, and, and hardly can ever say anything about the Lord. That's a testimony. That guy's serious. He gets on his knees in public. That's what Daniel did, amen? Now, I'm not suggesting that you do that. But you know what? It's a test of faith. Can you do that? Do you have that kind of faith in your God to show that kind of testimony before others? If you're on your lunch break, it's your own time. The company doesn't own you at that point. Now, you do what you want, and you pray about it. But God did that. He, he, he got a hold of me about that. And I started doing that. And I'll tell you what, things change. Things are different. God starts recognizing that you're serious about Him. <laughs> And, uh, and what, you, what you believe about him. And, you know, you get, you get funnier looks. But you know what? I found I got more respect, not less. More respect. Because people knew I believed in what I said. Amen? I want to be a Christian like Daniel. and I want, to be a ch- I want to be involved in a church like the book of Thessalonians there. How about you? Amen? I believe God's still got some great men out there and some great people and some great churches that he's going to use. And I'd like to see revival in our country. I really would. And I'm praying for that. I really am. Because I don't think it's a loss yet. Amen? Our public school systems might be kicking them out. But, uh, but we can get them. We can, we can let people know. Amen? God could still do something. It's a great country. Amen.